Gumbo listeners, we are back with episode number 119, and I'm your host, Demetrius Malbro. And today I have Bastion and Namik on. They are both founders of Human ID, which is an anonymous bot resistant authentication for safer online communities. And Bastion is an entrepreneur fighting fake news and erosion of privacy. And Namik is a global shaper at the World Economic Forum and is also a, a BS candidate at NYU Stern. So in this episode, Bastion and Namik discuss some of the challenges associated with cybersecurity, recommendations on using multi-factor authentication, zero trust architecture, immutability, and also some advice to CIOs for protecting your data in the cloud. So let's get right into this episode. Welcome to Data Protection Gumbo, Bastion and Namik. How are you both doing today? Pretty good. I'm doing pretty good. How are you about you, Bastion? I'm good. Thanks for having us on. Absolutely. So I am excited about this conversation. Uh, number one, so I can learn something and, and our listeners can learn about human ID. So why don't you give us a little information about human ID and also why you both founded the company. Yeah, Human ID is a nonprofit, completely anonymous and completely open source uh, single sign-on solution that replaces tools like login with Facebook or the Google reCAPTCHA or Google login and so on as a way to authenticate users in a way that doesn't collect any data from those users, any personal identifiable data from those users. Uh, we started Human ID. Actually, I I was working, um, I was sort of accidentally stumbling into a bot uh, bot campaign used for political purposes to spread fake news um, and disinformation uh, when I was living in the world large uh, third largest democracy, Indonesia, um, during their last election season around three years ago. And when I saw that, I did more research. I realized that that is com completely common practice all over the world now to use these automated accounts to just to amplify a message, both political um, as well as, as in business world more and more. And that that's really the main driver behind the, the, the bad culture and, and the amount of fake news we all uh, see uh, online. And that has, I mean, obviously damaged America as well. Uh, Germany just had elections that were very much influenced my home, my home country of Germany just had elections that were very much influenced by fake news. Uh, so that's what, what made us start Human ID in the beginning because we uh, the other aspect of Human ID is not just the privacy, but also that we make it much more costly and, and, and more difficult to create these massive accounts. The ultimate idea here is that we believe everyone should have one really protected and safe identity, but only one. And uh, not if you have a lot of money, you can create millions. That's how we do elections. We vote secretly, but one per person. And that's what all, how also online societies and online communities should be working. Okay. And Namik, would you would you like to add add some more flavor or, or detail to that to that or Yeah, definitely. Uh, so yeah, I'm Azerbaijani Turkish. So everyone keeps talking about, oh, you know, Russia did this, Russia did that. Uh, in the U.S. and Europe, and you know, Russia is a bordering country to Azerbaijan. So I grew up seeing firsthand like the role of bot networks and misinformation with my own eyes. 
I saw um, also a complete lack of accountability, like anonymity on the internet. So, you know, I came from a background which really, really valued um, freedom of speech as well as the ability to, you know, know that you're talking to real human beings. So the two really come hand in hand, right? Like you see these campaigns being deployed um, towards like certain activists, which effectively make them feel like a the sentiment around the nation is not with them um as well as you know like absolutely no privacy for these people and we've seen what russia has been doing we see in china right now where there's absolutely no privacy uh with their new social systems so yeah i met bash and we had the mozilla builders so mozilla is one of the funders for human id actually and we kind of clicked and I decided, hey, I really care about this problem and let me devote a lot of my time to helping solve it. Let's let's jump into some questions. So I appreciate you both providing a little bit of history and background around human ID. Uh, let's let's talk a little bit about just overall uh, security and the uh, cybersecurity landscape that we're in today. Bastian, you, you mentioned a few things um, around, you know, privacy. So. What, what do you think are some of the, the main challenges that Gumbo listeners may experience right now as it comes to security? And what's, I guess, maybe some recommendations that, that you can actually provide that, that they can do to be safer while they are online? So there's both the individuals and then, like, I mean, CTOs and CPOs um, that might be listening as well as individuals. I mean, um, there's, there is increasingly... Uh, privacy-first solutions coming up in in search, in 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 browsing, um, and with us in identity. So, like using those, giving them a chance, um, and promoting those, of course, helps helps everyone. Generally, I think the bigger problem here is like for for websites and applications that like I really would uh, advise any CTOs and so on to really question what kind of data you really need. To store, uh, I just literally this morning talked to a person who had an online business that was hacked with all the data leaked, and they, she, she had to completely close down the company. Um, this this is a risk that everyone underestimates until it happens to you. Sixty percent of companies that have a data leak have to uh, go bankrupt following that data leak because for reputational reasons or for legal reasons. Um, we believe a lot of data, a lot of personal identifiable user data doesn't actually have to be collected in the first place, specifically around, and, and that's where we come in, around authentication. Like if you if you have people create user accounts, um, you don't actually need uh, an email address or a phone number for that. If you use human ID, you can log them in in a completely anonymous way. So even if you had your, uh, your data, your user data leaked, it would basically be not a big problem. You would just do like a, a key reset with us, um, have everyone re-authenticate, and no, your users' data would be safe. Your users wouldn't even notice, basically. They wouldn't have to reset passwords. You wouldn't have to alert all of them. Um, they would just have to log in again next time they come to the site. Okay, you, you mentioned data data leak. Is that as a result of ransomware, or what, what type of data leak is that? Whatever it is, right? Like, we, um, we say instead of like no there's no full security of your data nobody can guarantee i mean the cia got hacked like nobody can guarantee a hundred percent that your data is secure and everyone everyone knows that but we say stop collecting the data 
from day one, then it cannot uh, it cannot get leaked or cannot get hacked. And then whatever the, the attacker is, right? Like if there's no data to be hacked, then no ransomware, um, no accident. And that's actually the number one reason for, for data leaks, just like accidentally leaving something somewhere in the, in, in the open. Um, all of this will not do the damage that it does right now. And for Gumbo users, um, listeners, it's effectively, my piece of advice would be to be really aware of who you're giving your data to and why. You know, it's not like necessarily Bash and I are against any data being monitored, right? Like data is important. It's just effectively like, hey, when and why am I giving up my PII? How is this being traced back to me? And if you don't think it's fair, say something about it, right? Like individual change, uh, tell whichever groups, if that, especially if it's a small app, right, that you're giving your data to, tell them how you feel. And if you have a very fundamental disagreement with the decision of that company, you know, do something about it, right? So there are privacy first solutions. There's Brave, there's DuckDuckGo, there's now Human ID. And there's going to be way more coming up. People are realizing, starting to see, hey, this is a, a profitable field because there's a market fit. And it's important. You're optimizing for productivity. You're optimizing for humanity instead of just blind profits, right? Which we're seeing happen of a fair share of companies right now. So I guess that would be my piece of advice. Does this align with, with GDPR? And if so, I guess, which piece? Is this more like uh, the right right to be forgotten? Or h- how exactly does this align with some of the compliance and regulations that are out there? Yeah, so GDPR and CCPA, they, they put requirements for companies to how to save the data properly and so on, um, and to let people delete their accounts and so on. But if you don't even collect personal identifiable information from in the, from the beginning, then it will be much easier for you to store it accurately. And you might not have, like, you, a lot of this, these requirements might um, not even apply to you or apply to less lesser extent. Um, obviously, it depends on the specific implementation and the specific use case. Sometimes you need personal identifiable information. For example, if you're an e-commerce company, of course, you're going to have, like, credit card and so on. Um, but if you're, for example, running a, a community, a social network, something like this, um, you might actually need absolutely no none of this stuff and therefore be GDPR compliant automatically from day one. Okay. And so it, it seems like it directly links into, and I guess it makes it a lot easier yes. for someone to, to maybe comply with, with GDPR or CCPA. Also something that, that, that comes to mind as well. And I know you have your, your human ID technology and you know, the, the way that you actually protect that, that information kind of peeking into the future, you know, Elon Musk is, is, raving AI and, you know, artificial intelligence and, and what it's going to do to us or for us. But how, how do you guys view artificial intelligence being used, um, especially in this technology in, in today's world and into the future? I mean, I think we both agree AI and we all probably agree AI is like super cool, right? Like from a purely conceptual model, it, it's very interesting. It's all about what happens when bad actors get your hands onto it. Bastion's facial record, like movements makes it seem like I'll disagree with me. That's awesome. But effectively, when it comes to bad actors, I'm super, super worried. Because honestly, right now, stuff like OpenAI, which is actually funded by Musk, uh, we're effectively seeing algorithms and stuff that are as, as smart as humans, right? And when it comes to writing, they're just as great of writers as humans. So there was an actually really interesting study where a college professor received um, like a bunch of papers, same concept. Some were written by you know GPT-3, I believe is the name, 
and some were written by humans. And on average, the AI scored higher. So what does this mean for conversations we have online? How will we know who's real or not? Right now, we already have an unprecedented bot network issue on the internet, right? Like, there are more fake accounts on Facebook than there are real accounts. And Facebook admitted to deleting billions of them last year. There's only so many billions of humans that exist on this planet, right? The problem is quite clear. Now, what happens when all of these bots are also super sophisticated? They're phenomenal writers, and we can't tell who's real or not. It's already very difficult right now with AI. Uh... It'll be near impossible. And I guess that's my biggest concern when it comes to the role of AI in the future of discussions is like, it goes back to what Bastion was saying, right? Like right now, someone rich can buy a million accounts um, and that sucks. What happens when those million accounts are also insanely sophisticated and they already are now, but even more so, now you have like a million real people effectively, right? Who believe your opinion and will go convince other people to believe what you believe. And that becomes very concerning. So are we talking about AI actually creating accounts uh, like these bots creating fake accounts and there's a mission behind those accounts to steal data and information and to maybe be used in in kind of crazy ways? Not necessarily to steal information. It could be potentially as well, but we see the bigger danger really in these bots to pretend to be human beings and then push a certain agenda and if that is is if that is a market if that is a product for commercial reasons or if that is a political product so uh propaganda or if that is like a like a for for a political movement or campaign or if that is a grassroots fake grassroots political activism or if that is fake news of any sorts the reason that the the bigger problem is if there's millions of fake human beings that advocate something, um, they will be louder, they will be uh, more heard than real people, and that really undermines the public discussion and democracy. People, like, thinking about it, for example, in the context of an authoritarian regime, if you are a opponent of the government, but every voice you hear online is advocating for the government, and you don't know that these are fake users because they're AI-powered bots, you will think you are the exception and you will not speak up even though you might actually be in the majority. We don't know that anymore if we don't know what are the, what, who is human and who is not online. And if somebody with access to tech or with the ability to, to censor big tech or like get certain accounts banned, that's another problem, um, can just shape the narrative, basically. And we've seen this, I mean, it started from the obviously the 2016 uh, discussion in the US. And we now know from, from, from uh, whistleblowers coming out of Facebook that this is completely common in all across the world, in, in democracies all across the world. And, and that is, is not, a, there's a political dimension to it, of course, but there's also, there's, um, there's, uh, there's uh, commercial interests being spread, um, there is bullying, there's uh, cyber criminality, um, there is, uh, there's just a recent study about how the mental health effect of Instagram on teenagers that is uh, oftentimes driven by the fact that there's no accountability, that people that get banned or blocked from one person just can come back with a different account two minutes later because there's not one voice per person. Uh, we are advocating for an internet where everyone has a protected identity but only one and not a million. Bastion also touched on something which is, I'm going to make a tiny, tiny tangent, but I think it might be interesting for listeners, um, about 
you know, role of authoritarian groups and, you know, social medias and all of this. And we're seeing all this news about like Apple and Russia and like everyone banning whatever Russia wants them to ban. But even Twitter, right, which is known for discourse, is being fined by Facebook for not banning a activist group, right, called the Open Russia. This is like very recent news. So effectively imagine this world where something Bastion touched on is called CIB, Coordinated Inauthentic Behavior. It's when large groups of bots make a lot of noise. Real people see this noise. They jump in on that noise. And now this sentiment that was created by bot networks now infiltrate real people at scale. And a lot of people start believing in these things. So now imagine when those are all very sophisticated bots, right? And it's part of a government agenda where they're also silencing the voices of uh, opponents. It becomes very problematic very quickly. In a nutshell, you are minimizing bullying online, <laughs> so to speak, and kind of blocking the abuse that occurs, and, and especially if, it, if it's an automated attack or you have multiple bots uh, out there, or if individuals decide to create or spin up a new account, that the technology that you provide is some type of way of authenticating and checking and verifying that, number one, it's a human, right? And it's not a computer. And then uh, allowing or disallowing that person to create that account or come back online. Is that kind of a nutshell of what's going on? Yeah, we're, st we're stopping that in both the small scale of like one, just like a bully that, that maybe um, is blocked in a one-to-one -one basis or on the platform for their behavior, but also on the large scale of like the, the concentrated, um, coordinated, inauthentic behavior that's funded by governments or, or corporate groups. Um, and we're trying to keep these accounts accountable without keeping personal identifiable information. So... Anonymity, yes. Lack of accountability, no. Which is like a super cool combination, uh, in my opinion. <laughs> I, I like that title. Um, anonymity, yes. Lack of accountability, no. I got a new tagline right so now. So we, we, we might go with that. <laughs> um, let, let's dive into some of the technology around just overall security and talk about things like multi-factor authentication, MFA, and the, the big buzzword of, of the year is zero trust architecture. Everyone is saying it and using it. Uh, and also there's another term that we use in the backup and recovery world, which is called immutability, which um, primarily helps secure and lock down disk repositories or any stored data so that uh, attackers cannot modify or change that data. So um, wh why don't you maybe give us a little details or maybe some best practices around implementing, you know, multi-factor authentication or zero trust architecture or immutability? What, what do you think is important to share with our listeners around those topics? What we believe is the most important, what sometimes missed and discussed, is the discussion that anything will only have an impact when it's actually being, and being used by, you, by the end users and by a large part of the population. And we're seeing a lot of a lot of uh, solutions come up with uh, a great sort of vision and um, like very idealistic, but then absolutely nobody's using. When you look in, into the internet, it's like the ID identity space is dominated by Facebook, by Google, and by generally the email addresses. Um, this is how people log in today. 
and every like like I don't know, like zero trust and so on. Like uh, we want to build something that is both better and more private, but um, that is also actually has a chance to really gain massive adoption with billions of people. And um, human ID is 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 not completely zero trust because we have because anything that is completely zero trust from our perspective can be by automated accounts like created you can create uh, an unlimited amount of accounts we count on the the, the fact that every that like uh, phone numbers specifically are limited and that it's hard to like uh, get millions of phone numbers very very hard to get millions of phone numbers um, as like a limiting factor but that also does introduce a, a trust aspect to a certain extent um, we try to mitigate that by being completely open source by being non-profit by being very transparent what everything we're doing. We believe that is a more realistic path to actually driving impact compared to any, and I've looked at every possible, like from blockchain to, and, and so on and so forth, and every possible combination. We think this is the this is the most realistic way to really drive and change how the internet works. But like on the, on the, on the topic of um, multi-factor authentication, I mean, human ID is, is basically multi-factor because you need access to the phone number. Um, and verify an SMS that we then we then verify, but then immediately delete from our servers and never communicate to anyone externally. So we do have a person identifiable information for a few seconds. Um, we basically have the trusted identity layer above many websites. That's why it's important that we are nonprofit um, because we will not walk back on that promise. We will not start selling data, and um, we think everyone. Everything that's happening in the identity space around zero trust and so on is is coming from the right spirit and the right values and ideals, but is ultimately doesn't have a, a, a realistic path to adoption. Yeah, no, I was just going to add um, effectively with zero knowledge. I think it's fascinating, uh, really, really fascinating. And maybe one day there will be a great use case using zero knowledge for like very valuable information for identity, like social security, things like this, totally, and I think it's important. But we have to keep in mind, uh, it's not there yet. There haven't really been any use cases, even in Web3, uh, where zero knowledge is really applicable. And how do we expect How do we expect to bring millions of users on Web2 on, right? So like you see identity solutions like BrightID, they're pretty cool, but they're not scalable. That's why they haven't scaled. So when that when Human ID was formed, there was a very large conversation about, hey, how do we make this as easy for as many people to use? How can we make, there's two use cases we like to say, how do we get Bastion's grandparents to use Human ID? And how do we get like these Afghanistani refugees who are now moving um, out of Afghanistan to be able to use something like Human ID so their personal data is not tracked by the governments where they are? And I don't think either one is zero knowledge or zero trust. Might be multi-factor authentication for sure, but definitely not where you, the ones where you have to download like five different apps to authenticate yourself every time. We need something simple. We need something easy. And that's what we believe will scale, especially for our use case, which again, it isn't social security or you know bank transfers. It's social networks. It's polling apps. It's mental health apps. It's whistleblowing apps. Things like this, where we really think something like Human ID, again, we're open source, we're nonprofit, has the most value. And then it comes to a good point. Like this is like something we can build on top, right? Like we can always, uh, once identity is managed by a trusted player and not by Facebook that nobody trusts, then we can actually improve it. 
and and move it towards more privacy and more security. And they're not like we're one hundred percent secure, we're one hundred percent private, um, but we're not one hundred percent zero trust, and so which, which makes us sort of a, a point of failure. But that can be addressed in next steps, and we don't like we don't have profit in, incentives. Um, and every engineer that's listening can look at our code and see exactly what we're doing. Okay, gotcha. And you you keep mentioning Web two. Is that um, Web 2.0 or is it the, the proper term just to say Web 2? And what exactly is it? Because I don't, I don't hear it often and I can't remember exactly what it is. Uh, maybe I'm making stuff up now. Uh, when I think of Web 2, I just think of like the centralized internet, right? So when we have intermediaries like Facebook, if we want to communicate with each other, we go via Facebook. If we want to rent a house, we go via Airbnb instead of directly to the hosts. If we want to listen to music, we use Spotify instead of directly pay those artists. Uh, so that's kind of what I think of when I say Web2. All right. Well, how about one one final question here? And Bastian, you, you mentioned earlier on around information or uh, speaking to a, a CTO or a CIO. So what, what advice do you have for CIOs and CTOs right now, um, just as we are, I guess, in the second wave of COVID-19 and it, it seems to not want to disappear, which we all would love to say good riddance to COVID-19, but around, you know, it, it definitely has more people online and glued to their their mobile mobile devices, et cetera. Um, but what, what advice would you give for CIOs and CTOs right now that's just really relevant and um, around protecting data? Yeah, really, I mean, uh, doubling down on something I, I alluded to earlier is uh, really question if you need the data that you're collecting right now especially around authentication. To authenticate uh, a user and let them create an account and so on, you actually don't need personal identifiable information. There's better solutions out there. Um, the risk, like people always think about the risk of a data leak and the consequences would have like too late. Uh, once it happened, you cannot reverse it and it might destroy your company. So try to plan for that now and, and don't just think about how to secure data better, but also to just have less data on the get-go because that's the ultimate secure solution. Okay. And Namik, you want to close us out here? Yeah. I think there's a very good chance in 10 years' time we will look back and see COVID was a catalyst against big tech. We spend so much time on our – I mean, I don't use any social medias except Twitter, um, but I used to, and all my friends do. So we're seeing, like, what was this? Instagram for kids got scrapped by Facebook recently. Joe Biden is saying Facebook's killing people has to retract it because of politics. We're seeing a lot of people starting to realize, hey, there's some very, very unhealthy practices on the Internet. And I personally do believe COVID, COVID has a massive role to play with it. We're stuck inside our houses uh, for a year, some people more. Um, so I really do think that there's a good chance COVID will become a catalyst for us to kind of open our eyes and say, hey, how do I want my data, my life on the internet to be treated? And it's effectively about being ahead of the curve, right? So there are lots of studies out there, and I can send them. There's one by Cisco, it's phenomenal, about the privacy actives. talks about Gen Z, uh, which I am a part of. And how Gen Z is more focused on privacy than ever before. That doesn't mean they're not pro-data. Again, it's all about how you use your data, but they want to know. So I really, really do recommend people look forward and say, hey, how do I position myself ahead of the curve? Because it, 
you know, you don't want to be late. And a lot of people will be late. And we're working with the people who we believe have the same mission as us, see the same values, and they're integrating human ID or whatever kind of privacy solutions out there uh, to kind of create a better internet. And I definitely think COVID is, has a massive role to play in it. And now it's up to us individuals as well as entrepreneurs to kind of fix the mess we're in. Because as sad as it is, I don't think Facebook's gonna do it for us. Um, I don't think Facebook's gonna do it for us. So if you're out there trying to build a Facebook, um, or if you're building out a whistleblowing app, we actually have some great integrations. Uh, they'll be on the news in a week or two, hopefully. Um, if you're out there building something and you care about identity, do it for yourself, right? Bastian mentioned in the beginning of this call, someone he spoke to who went, who effectively was bankrupted by a data leak. Do it for yourself, do it for your users, because I promise you, if you're treating them with respect and you care about their privacy and you let them have the power to decide what to share, it's a, the pie will be bigger. I guess that's what I want to say. Gotcha. And Namik, I, I know you don't have any social media accounts. Um, I think you say you have Twitter now, but what, what, what other way can Gumbo listeners maybe reach out to you and, you know, if they want to continue the conversation or if they want to look up more information about Human ID, can both of you supply your social media details or whatever you want to leave the listeners with? Sure. The easiest one will be human minus id.org that's our website uh you can reach out to us via there we both have twitter so it's passion prayer as well as namik madroglu that'll be a bit hard um but yeah the easiest one to reach out is linkedin or human id's website you know you have all of our socials there and yeah i mean bass is there anything you want to add all right my email is bastion ba S-T-I-A-N at human-id.org so you can always just shoot us an email as well. Okay, well awesome. It was uh, definitely a pleasure having you both on Data Protection Gumbo and uh, now you you have me looking around virtual corners to make sure that um, all of my data is safe and uh, that my privacy is my privacy. So um, thank you both for coming on Data Protection Gumbo and um, until next time. Thank you so much Demetrius for having us. Thank you for listening to Data Protection Gumbo. Please follow us on Twitter at DPG Podcast and join our Backup and Recovery Professionals LinkedIn group. Just search Backup and Recovery Professionals on LinkedIn and you will find the group. And until next time, Gumbo listeners, have a fantastic week.